Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning, everyone, and I want to welcome you to First Orlando Online. Thank you for joining us today. I want to add my greeting to the ones you've heard already and just thank you for joining us today. By the way, uh, David Loveless was given the update on David Youth, but you also need to know one other thing about David. Today is his birthday, so uh, we uh, celebrate David's birthday with him not being able to be here today, but we celebrate with you, David, and we're really happy for you. God bless you. We love you, and we're praying for a full and speedy recovery so that soon you can be standing right here uh, delivering the message for us, and God bless you. I also want to issue a uh, congratulations to our high school seniors. I got a chance to be a part of that event here on campus, and I know this is a really difficult time for seniors because uh, it didn't end up the way you expected, but let me just tell you this. In addition to the diploma that you got, you endured a global pandemic, and you got to get to the other side of it, and somehow you still got the diploma. It doesn't say that you endured it, but we all know that. You'll never live that down forever. When you're my age, you'll be looking back at 2020 saying, that was the year that we had the global pandemic. So thank you for persevering even under pressure, and we thank God for our high school seniors. Also want to make a statement before I begin with the message today, which, by the way, is on the essential of worship, the essential uh, part of our Christian journey called worship. This has been a difficult season uh, in our country with the challenges of what's happening in Minneapolis, and we just, uh, as a church, I want to say boldly and clearly that we stand against and object to all forms of racism, bigotry, and hate, and we align and we identify with the marginalized, the mistreated, and the abused. And we understand that in the hearts of our fellow citizens of color, incidents like these connect to a long history of unequal justice in our country. And we grieve as a church at what we see has happened in Minneapolis. Now, the reality is we don't know everything, but what we see looks really bad. And we grieve over what we see. And we stand with law enforcement and those who protect us and risk their lives to provide for safety for us. At the same time, we stand against the abuse of power and what looks like the mistreatment of those who um, they should be watching after. And so uh, we want to pray for the leaders, as David Loveless has done already, who are in this situation that justice can come quickly and correctly in the situation. And our hearts go out to especially, it's a tragedy anytime somebody dies. We are pro-life, and we um, grieve deeply with this family and with the situation that is created and know that we're praying for complete healing here in our country in regards to that. So I want to invite you to open your Bible or your device, look it up, to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Hebrews has the distinction being one of the only few books in the Bible that we're not certain of who the author is. There are some who have good guesses, but we're not certain who the author of this book is. But in this book, in chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews, there is some verses that give us a picture or describe ways that we can worship God. And I was reading this week about worship. Worship is the valuing and treasuring of God. 
It's how do we value and treasure him? Well, let's begin by reading this slide. Here's what it says. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. Through him, he's talking about Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is a description of ways to worship, how we can worship. But let's start a little further back. Let me give you just a little background. What does it mean to worship? Worship is valuing and treasuring God above all things. It's putting God as primary in our lives, the most important person in our life. What's our primary focus is God. That's what it means to worship. So the acts of worship or acts that we do or actions that we take that help us to make sure that God is in that primary position for us. So if, if valuing and treasuring God is what worship is, then wouldn't it stand to reason that it begins with me coming to know God? The more I know God, the better I am able to worship God because I learn more about his love and his grace and how majestic he is and how he created and everything about him. The more I know God, the more I get to know God, the better chance there is that I will worship him. I'll put him as primary in my life. And there are sources for getting to know God. These are not unusual to you. You'll know them, but let's look at what they are. Our sources, the primary sources to know God, our scripture, what we read about God and his interaction in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, his interactions with, with the people of Israel teach us a lot about God. And then uh, also in the New Testament, we see letters from the epistles and, and uh, Jesus, the gospels, the, the story of Jesus. All of those give us a glimpse. In fact, Jesus is the full embodiment and, and representation of God. So the more we get to know Jesus, the more we know God. So scripture teaches us that. We also learn a lot about God from his story and others. There are people around us, maybe, maybe from a long time ago or maybe even recent, people that you get to know and you hear about how God's worked in their lives. And in doing so, you can learn about the way God interacts with us. So we can learn from scripture, we can learn by how God interacts with others, but a lot of times the way we learn is by God's story in us, by what he does in us and, and what he's done in the past with us and how we interact with him is the way we learn about God. So worship begins and is us placing God primary in our lives and, and it has to start with us knowing God. We get to know him through these sources. But this passage in Hebrews 13, it describes for us at least two ways that we can worship God and they're acts that help us become God worshipers. The first one is found just in the first part of that. It says this, we worship God by what we declare. It uses this phrase, the fruit of lips that offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. It's what we say, it's the fruit of lips. So we worship God in what we declare, what we say out loud, what we verbalize can help direct us. It can help us uh, offer a sacrifice of praise. That term sacrifice 
is a term we don't use a lot now in the same sense that it was used in scripture. In the Hebrew um, scriptures, sacrifice was an act that the Hebrews did to demonstrate their allegiance and that God was primary for them. He was the most important thing. So they would take something of value to themselves, maybe some livestock or maybe the first of the grain or maybe some money, and they would offer it to God as a sacrifice. And so Hebrews, this book here, says it's a sacrifice of praise, what we declare with our mouth, what we say out loud. Us saying something can change us. It, it has power with us. First, declaring something can move us. It moves us somewhere. When you say something out loud, it can help you move in a direction. You guys know I'm a runner. Most of you think I do it because it's really easy and it's never worked for me. That's not true. Every single day is work to have to get out of bed and have to lace up my shoes and go run. And invariably on some runs, I'm trying to, I know that my schedule says I'm supposed to do a certain amount of miles and I want to go shorter. And I find myself early in the run saying out loud how many miles I've got to run because there's something about saying it that moves me towards it saying it out loud. If you don't believe me, let me just challenge you. Even sitting right in your home, start talking about what you're gonna have for lunch today and see if it doesn't start creating more hunger and more anticipation. What you say out loud can move you. You know, that's part of the reason that we proclaim things, we say things. One of the practices many believers have is, is early in the morning to to, to recite a verse or to say a verse, something, maybe, maybe just a saying, maybe it's as simple as, God, I give you my day today or I'm yours today, God. Because when you verbalize something out loud, it has the power to move you. I find in my own life, this seems much stronger and maybe it's because it's the only time I can hear myself when I'm alone. And I take time by myself and, and I say things out loud. Now you're saying, Danny, do you, are you saying you talk to yourself? I'm, yes, I do. I say it out loud because it moves me. Do you know that the Psalms are filled with places where the writers of those poems, those songs, would speak to their own soul. Every time you see the phrase, oh my soul, it's the writer speaking to himself saying something to his heart because he knows if he proclaims it, it can move him. Let me encourage you, declare things with your mouth. Say them out loud because it can move your heart towards worship with God. Well, declaring can move us, but it can do something else. It can also remind us. Declaring reminds us. You know what it reminds us of? It reminds us of the things in scripture. It reminds us of how we've seen God work in other people's lives. It can remind us of what he's done for us in the past. Declaring can remind us about God and about who he is and about his love for us and the way he's interacted with us, the miracles that he's done for us or for others. Um, and it reminds us of his faithfulness. So when we declare it, it can move us towards something, can also remind us of something. Sometimes I think people are confused when we sing. We often sing songs that that declare the goodness of God. And sometimes people think, well, are you doing that to remind God of who he is? And the truth is we're not reminding, God knows who he is. 
We don't need to remind God of who he is and what he's done. It's not as though God is some temperamental, uh, egotistical being that we've got to come say really nice things to him in order to have access to him. Everything that needs to be done on our behalf to grant us access, Jesus did for us. What we want is to remind ourselves of who God is because a clearer understanding of God is necessary for us to be able to worship him. The clearer we know him, the better we get to know him. And when we recite, when we say things out loud, we get to know who he is and we're reminded of what he's done for us. When we declare It moves us, and it reminds us. Well, music and singing play an important part in this. In church history, music and singing has played an important part. Did you know over 400 times in Scripture, there's a reference to the the people of God singing? 400 times it says that. Do you know that, that Jesus, at the Lord's Supper, the last supper with his disciples. After they broke bread together, they sang a hymn, the Bible tells us. The writers, uh, Paul, in writing epistles two different times, he encourages the church to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing is a part of what it means to worship God. Now, personally, I've struggled a long time because we've kind of messed up terms. Sometimes we use the term worship and music interchangeably. We use the term worship and singing interchangeably. And there's nothing really wrong about it except that worship is way more than singing. Singing is a type of worship, but it's not the only type of worship. There are other things that we do, just like I just talked about, saying things out loud, declaring them. Sometimes we do that in a song, but it doesn't have to be done in a song for it to be worship but there's power in a song. Because sometimes a songwriter can say things for me that I felt in my heart, but I didn't know how to articulate. Have you ever had that happen? You hear a lyric, you go, man, that's how I feel. Songs also have a way to be a memory marker for us, to help us remember something. I remember in 1972, more or less, I lived here in Orlando, We lived on a street not too far from where John Young campus is right now. I can take you to the place that I was sitting when on an AM radio, back in those days, young people, you couldn't just turn on your phone and listen to a song anytime you wanted. You had to wait for the station to play it. And I can remember listening to the AM radio when they played Bye Bye Miss American Pie. And listening to that song is so seared into me that I can take you to the place and I can describe the situation because as Trisha Yearwood said in the song she sang years ago, the song remembers when. There's something powerful about a song. And singing isn't the sum of worship, but it is a very important part of worship. And sometimes those songs can minister in ways to us because they say something that we wanted to say and didn't know how to articulate or because they take us back to a place where we remember the faithfulness of God. And we say, I remember what you did there. Singing has a way of taking us where we need to go to worship God. It declares, it helps us to declare who God is 
and what he means to us. Pastor David told me the story. I talked to him right after he had gotten home. In fact, I think it was the evening he got home from the hospital. He described the scene and the story. You know, I'm not sure you remember this, but two weeks had passed from the bike accident. He'd been in the hospital for two weeks. And because of COVID, the only person who could be in the room with him was his wife, Rachel. And so he didn't have any opportunity to visit with his children or his grandkids during the two weeks. And, and so uh, when the day finally came that, they could, that he could come home, David said they, he got in the house and got all situated and the whole family was there. And he said, and what we did, we just turned on the TV and turned it to YouTube and started playing the songs that we've sung at First Baptist Church Orlando. Just all of the songs that meant something to me. And he said, man, it was just like a church service that lasted for a long time right there in our family room. Because songs have a way of taking us somewhere that we can't get otherwise in worshiping God. So we declare things. That's one of the ways we worship. But it also says in Hebrews 13, it says we worship God in what we do. So it's not just in what we declare. We worship God in what we do. Here's what it says um, in the passage. It says, in verse 16, it says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. When we worship God and what we do, it's when we give and when we serve to do good. It's giving God the first part of our time and our money. That's what it means to worship God. It means to put him as primary, give him the first part of our lives. And so we worship in what we declare, but we also worship by what we do. And this is a very important part of worship. In fact, Scripture talks a lot more about this part of worship than the singing. The singing and declaring is important. It's critical to our lives. But living a life that puts God as primary, that displays to Him, to ourselves, and to others that no one is more important to us than God, that's what it means to worship. In every aspect of our lives, God is primary. That is what it means to worship. I want to read with you three different passages that just highlight different categories or areas of our life. The first one is Romans 12, 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, listen to what the writer says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, there it is again, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is your spiritual worship to present your bodies to God. What does he mean, present your bodies? He means present your everyday life, everything you do, everything that's a part of your being, your daily life presented to God. You say, that's worship, just what I do, like where I am and what, yes. In fact, that is the greatest act of worship is when you give every part of every single day to him. In everything you do, maybe it's as simple as, like I stated earlier, starting your day with time with God. Say, hey, I'm giving you the first part of my day. Maybe you're more of an evening person, and the Hebrew way was always the day started in the evening, so that's okay too. You can begin in the evenings after sundown and say, hey, I'm starting my next day with God. What do you do to display to yourself, to him, and to others? that he is primary. These acts of worship, 
then can move our heart towards acknowledging God as primary in our lives. So in Romans, Paul said it's your, it's your daily life that you're sacrificing and offering to God. In Colossians, another um, book that Paul wrote, he says this in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. You see that? Work for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. What is Paul talking about here? He's talking about in our work, we worship God. When we make God primary in our work, we are worshiping him. No matter what you do, no matter what role you have at work, don't do it for your boss, do it for Jesus. And then it becomes worship and you're working with your hands or in any other way as an act to say to him, you are primary in my life. Anything that we do that demonstrates to God, ourselves and others that he is primary in our lives is worship. It's spending time with him daily, it's honoring him in our work and the way we interact with people, our honesty, our compassion for others, being an excellent boss, being an outstanding employee, excelling at the things we put our hands to, the giving of our time and money to serve others. Do you know how to make money? Do it for him. Do you know how to care for kids? Do it for him. Do you know how to make things with your hands? Do it for him. If you know how to build things, run companies, paint, help people, cook food, take beautiful pictures, you're a gifted athlete, you write, you study, you imagine, you create, you nurture, you clean, you construct, you develop, you sell, you manage, you teach, you heal, you protect, do it all for him. And then it's worship. It's making him primary in our lives and, and he is glorified by it. And it's for our good. The people around us notice it when we worship him. And the last scripture I wanna point out is in Matthew 5, These, this is the words of Jesus. Jesus said, so if you're offering a gift, this was a sacrifice of praise, this was offering a gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. And here Jesus says, you know, the way you interact with your brothers has an effect on how you can interact and how you can worship with me. And the truth is, Jesus has a horizontal measurement to our vertical relationship. And he said, actually, in sequence, sometimes we think, well, I gotta get right with God and then I'm gonna go get right with everybody else. Jesus said, it's the other way around. You wanna worship me? You can't be alienating people and bad to people and not treating people well and then think you can come in here and sing and raise your hands and do everything you think is right and say the right things and pray all day. You can't do that. It's how I interact with the people around me that displays the posture of my heart towards God. And the best indicator of my relationship with my Heavenly Father is how I'm treating the people around me, how I treat my family, how I treat the people, my neighbors, the people I work with. And I can't come to God and say, oh, I'm gonna worship you today if I haven't gotten right with my neighbor. Horizontal indicator to our vertical relationship. And today, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, as David mentioned earlier, whether you're exploring that 
you're kind of beginning and you, you understand what it means to know Christ or you've been a follower for a long time or anywhere in between, my encouragement to you is let's make God primary. Let's worship him together in everything that we do and everything that we declare. Whatever we do for fun, for work or responsibility, we do it to him. Sometimes worship is declaration. Sometimes it's contemplation. Sometimes it's noisy. Sometimes it's silent. Sometimes worship is public. And sometimes worship is private. Sometimes worship is music. Sometimes worship is words. Sometimes it's singing. Sometimes it's hearing. Sometimes it's corporate. Sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's dance. Sometimes it's art. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's play. Sometimes it's planned. Sometimes it's spontaneous. But it's always right. And it's always needed. Today, as we wrap our time, I'm going to offer you two questions, especially for those of you that are sitting at home watching today. I want you just to use these as a discussion. Maybe you want to do it today or you can take a screenshot and do it later. Um, but I want to offer you two questions to kind of spark some conversation that you would have with the people around you. The first one is this. What is your all-time favorite song to hear or sing as a part of your worship to the Lord and why? What is your all-time favorite song to hear or sing and why? And second one, what is one way you can be more intentional to express worship to Christ through your words and deeds this week? I encourage you, take time to discuss those questions with the people that you're with today. I wanna end our time with something that some of you have never done, others of you have, have done this before. It's just a different style of worship, a different act of worship that can help direct our hearts. It's a, what I'll call a responsive reading. And so here's what I'm going to do. They're going to put this up on the screen. I'm going to read. This is based on Psalm 136 in the message. All the lyrics will be on your screen. Uh, and so here's what I'm going to invite you to do right there in your home. By the way, we do have some of our leaders and um, volunteers that are here today at the John Young campus because we're preparing for Together Again weekend next Sunday. I wanna invite you to check out our website for all the details on that, but they're here to kind of experiment, so they're gonna participate uh, with us as well. I'm gonna read the white, and then you're gonna read the yellow. Now, here's the deal. The yellow is the same line every time. Um, but there's a reason for that, because what you declare can move you and remind you. So I'll read the white, you, where you are, right in your home, out loud, say these words with me. Thank God. He deserves your thanks. Thank the God of all gods. Thank the Lord of all lords. Thank the miracle working God. The God whose skill formed the cosmos. The God who laid out earth on ocean foundations. 
the God who filled the skies with light, the sun to watch over the day, moon and stars as guardians of the night. God remembered us when we were down, rescued us from the trampling boot, takes care of everyone in time of need. Thank God who did it all. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.